0: Podcast, we truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Boston's chapter number two. Do you uh, remember when you first met your spouse? Now, for those of you that uh, aren't married yet or in danger of getting married, um, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a magical time, right? I mean, uh, you, you meet, your, meet your spouse and you're just kind of like, yeah, I know this is the one. This is the one that uh, God has brought into my life. And uh, there's, there's a term that we use, especially when people are in love, right? And we call it Twitterpated. You know, they can't, they can't think straight. They can't see straight. I mean, just they're, they're focused, right? Um, everything is just so wonderful. I mean, the person can do no wrong. I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, my wife and I, we met um, in college uh, there in Tennessee, and uh, we ended up getting married after college, uh, it was in uh, August of 2007. This year will be 15 years of marriage, I can hardly believe it that she's put up with me that long, but, um, you know, it, it's amazing what uh, what God has done, we don't have a perfect marriage by any means, um, we've had good times, bad times, times of sorrow, times of joy, uh, times of where we've... Uh, know gotten really upset at each other but the important thing is is that we've stuck at it and we've stayed at it and um, some of the things that Paul's going to talk about here this morning is going to talk about continuing in our walk with Jesus Um, you know it's interesting when we talk about people falling in love and and getting married and things like that I've I've seen and had the opportunity to um, perform weddings for, for individuals, you know, and you see those two individuals, they're looking at one another, and they're just so in love, but then I've also sat in a counseling situation where I'll have couples, and they are just so mad at each other, and you wonder, how did it get to that point? Um, how did it get to the point of just saying, you know, I can't live with you anymore, you just irritate me so much? Um, I mean, at one time, I mean, they did stand before one another and they were so in love, right? But now they're so mad at each other. So what happened? Um, I, I think that, you know, when we talk about what Paul's going to talk about here this morning, you know, becoming a Christian is is a lot like falling in love. I mean, it, when you when you first become a believer and follower of Jesus, everything is great. I mean, your sins are forgiven. I mean, the guilt is gone. It, it just seems like everything is new, is what Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen teaches. us. old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But then, you know, as you continue on in your Christian life, um, I think that trials come disappointments come, Uh, you may suffer health problems, you pray for something, God doesn't answer, Um, doubts creep in, old friends cut you off or ridicule you because of your faith. If you're married, maybe your spouse begins to be hostile towards you because of your faith and belief in Jesus. And it, it may seem like what was once so wonderful and great is now hard and difficult, And so how do we continue in our faith? How do we continue to grow? And I think that if we're not careful, as believers in Christ, that if we begin to have hard and difficult times, if we begin to doubt God's goodness, if we begin to complain about things, I believe there's a great danger for false teaching to come into our lives. Maybe, uh, you know, saying, well, listen, maybe if you just do this and you do that, and if you start doing this this way, uh, it'll help you in your Christian life. And some, sadly, I think there's a lot of Christians that sometimes get swept away uh, by false teaching because they're not really grounded uh, and rooted in, in Christ And so it's important for us to learn how to continue in our faith, to continue to grow in our faith. And that's kind of what Paul's going to talk about that. So how do you keep that first love fresh and vital over the long haul? And in our text here, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, Paul is going to give us the answer to all of that. So this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. Grow in your relationship with Jesus By remembering who He is and walking with Him. Grow in your relationship with Jesus by remembering who He is and walking with Him. Let's take note of our text here. He says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now notice that first word there, therefore. These are great ways to learn and how to study the Bible. When you see that word, therefore, you need to find out why it is, therefore, okay? And so, the reason why Paul says, therefore, this is going all the way back to everything he has just previously talked about. He's building his case. He's building it. He's building it. He's building it. And he gets it. He says, now, therefore, here's the reason what you need to be doing as a believer in Christ. Now remember what was going on in this church. The false teachers were trying to set aside or minimize Jesus Christ with these clever philosophies. You'll see that later on uh, in verse number 8. Um, they probably weren't outright denying Christ, but they were minimalizing Christ. They might have been saying things, well, yeah, Jesus is good, but maybe you also need to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have those things, but you also need to A, B, C. Okay? So they were minimalizing who Jesus was. They were minimalizing uh, Christ's authority, God's word, uh, his authority. And uh, these people were being swept away by these vain philosophies. Uh, you may have had to follow their man-made rules. You had to worship the angels, understand the visions that they had seen, is what uh, Paul talks about in Colossians 2.18 and verses 20-23. through 23. And basically what it came down to was that Christ was not enough uh, for their salvation. Christ was not enough for their Christian life. Christ was not enough for their problems. Just simply that Christ was not enough. You had to have other things. So in chapter one, Paul spends all that time exalting who Jesus Christ is—that He's all sufficient over everything. Remember, we go through that great, uh, that great hymn, that poem that uh, He gives there, and you know He says He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the head of the church. He is the firstborn uh, from the dead. He exalts Him. And he talks about who Christ is, so that way they could get a clear picture of who Jesus was. And really, it was Christ whom Paul was proclaiming. He proclaimed the gospel to Epaphras. Epaphras proclaimed the gospel to these believers in uh, uh, Colossae. And it was Paul that was saying, hey, look, I'm trying to present everybody mature in Jesus Christ. And he says, I want you to know how important it is for you to be growing in Jesus. And so he preached... Christ he preached uh, the gospel and you know as believers in Christ today I I think that we still face the same type of problems that these believers in Colossae faced now not the fact that uh, you know people are coming up to us and saying now listen if you really want to get to know who Jesus is you're going to have to start worshiping angels you know Uh, we're not having people come up to you and say now by the way uh, have you been circumcised lately you know Okay? We, we don't have these types of issues, but the, still the vain philosophies, the empty traditions are things that are still promoted and pushed upon us. Culture tries to get us to mold into a certain type of shape, something that says that this is what's acceptable and this is how you should live your life. But as believers in Christ, we need to stand firm in Jesus and we need to be settled on who Jesus is, holding fast to the head is what uh, Paul says, so that a way we can grow in our faith. And, you know, we still have the temptation to sin, drifting into spiritual apathy. And if we want to avoid these things, then we need to continue our walk in Jesus. as That's what Paul says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him. So how are we to do that? So here it is. Number one, walk with Jesus by remembering who he is. Now notice what he says here. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. As you received, so walk in him. As you received him, so walk in him. Notice the way that Paul wrote the name of Jesus. The order here is really important. Look what he says, Christ, Jesus, the Lord. I mean, he gives a a full, uh, I guess, a a, a full buffet here of, of, of who Christ is. Christ, Jesus, the Lord. And so, how did we receive Christ? Well, we received him as the Christ. The one we received is the first of all, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Christ is the uh, Greek uh, word and Messiah is the Hebrew for the anointed one. And he is the one prophesied of the Hebrew scriptures written centuries before uh, we even had uh, the New Testament. Even before Jesus was on the scene, in the flesh. uh, They prophesied of who Christ was, the anointed one. And he was born and he is God's anointed King, prophet, and priest. And we see that through all of Scripture as Jesus is the one uh, that is the king. We, we can read about in, uh, in the Old Testament of how uh, Jesus alone is going to be the one that is ruling over all. We see Jesus is the one who is the prophet. He is the one that speaks on God's behalf. Remember when he was uh, speaking to uh, people? He says, the things that I'm speaking, I'm telling you that because they are the things that the Father has told me. And so he speaks on God's behalf. And we also see him as priest. Uh, He's the only one that, uh, as the book of Hebrews talks about, he goes into the, uh, went into the Holy of Holies. He went into the the temple there uh, with his own blood. And he put it there on the mercy seat. And it says that uh, he sat down at the right hand of the Father now. He's not standing continually doing sacrifices again and again and again. All of our sin sacrifices, all of that has been paid for in Jesus. And so he is the one. He is Christ. We have received Christ. Then look what it says here. It says that we have received him as Jesus. Jesus here is his human name. When the angel announced to Joseph Mary's conception by the Holy Spirit, he said in Matthew one twenty one, "You shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins." The name Jesus is the Greek form of the word of the Hebrew word uh, Joshua or Yahshua, right? And uh, basically, uh, it means that Yahweh saves. Jesus alone saves. Mary doesn't save. Traditions don't save. Lighting candles don't save. Baptism doesn't save. Church membership doesn't save. Shaking a pastor's hand doesn't save. Tithing doesn't save. Being a good person doesn't save. Who saves? Jesus alone saves. And so the only person that we have to trust in is in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation Jesus said of himself in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. As I've often said, you know, that word salvation is, is sometimes, a, it's, a, it's a word that we, we, we toss around a lot. A lot of people talk about salvation. Oh, I was saved from this. I was saved from that. I was saved from this. I was saved from that. But you know, the the thing about, when we talk about salvation, I think we have to get a clear understanding of what exactly Jesus has saved us from. I mean, are we good people? We're not. We're sinners. And Jesus has saved us from our sin, from the penalty of our sin. If you just read Romans chapter number 3, it gives us a great description of what we are. It talks about our hearts and it talks about our mouths and it talks about really the things that we do. Oh, sure, we can do good things, but compared to God's standard, are they really good? They're not. They fall way short. That's what the whole idea there of uh, Romans 3.23 says, but for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we always fall short of that. And so when we talk about our salvation in Christ, Christ has saved us from our sins. He has saved us from the penalty of our sins, which is death. And Christ has done that. And so we have received Jesus. The Bible says that while God is a personal God, at the same time, He dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, according to 1 Timothy 6.16. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all in 1 John 1.5. And so he is so holy that when the godly prophet Isaiah saw him on his throne, he cried out in Isaiah 6.5, Woe is me for I am a ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so God is so holy and we are so unholy that for us to think that, you know, boy, I really got a hold on God here, I got a corner on God because I do A, B, C, whatever, we don't. And God has saved us from our sins. So the question is, how can we know and be close to such a holy God? Well, the good news is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, Paul said it himself, he says, of whom I am chief, in 1 Timothy 1.15. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, is what 1 Peter 2.24 teaches us. And if you know that you're a sinner, cry out to Jesus to save you from your sins, because judgment is coming. You see, that's the great news about the gospel, is that Jesus took our judgment. Jesus took the judgment that we rightly deserve, and if we don't receive Christ's sacrifice for our sins, then we will be judged. In fact, we already stand condemned before God without Christ, and so we need Christ, we need Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Christ Jesus is the only Savior that God has provided for hopelessly lost sinners. Thirdly, look what he says here. So we've received Christ, we've received Jesus, but notice what he says, we've received the Lord. You see, the Colossians received him as Christ Jesus, but also as the Lord. Lord here refers to his deity. The fact that He is God. Now, sad to say, I I would think that sometimes people put Jesus kind of in a category where He's just one of another, but He's not God. Can I ask you in your own personal life as a believer in Jesus, does Jesus have full reign in your life? Are there any areas in your life where it's like, God, this is off limits, God, I, no, 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 God, no, 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 this is off limits. You see, Jesus is Lord, and do we make Him Lord of our life? Is He the Lord of our attitude? Is He the Lord of our marriage? Is He the Lord of, of our children? Is He the Lord of how we function at the job that we live at? Is Jesus Christ the Lord over everything? In Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11... It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one's life. The rules set down by the Lord are reliable and impart wisdom to the inexperienced. The Lord's precepts are fair and make one joyful. The Lord's commands are pure and and give insight for life. The commands to fear the Lord are right and endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and absolutely just. They are of greater value than gold, than even a great amount of pure gold. They bring greater delight than honey, than even the sweetest honey from a honeycomb. Yes, your servant finds moral guidance there. Those who obey them receive a rich reward. Is Jesus Lord in your life? See, we, we have to, if we're going to walk In Christ, then we have to be settled the fact that He is Lord over everything in our life. Not just some things, not just the things that we like, but He is Lord over everything. You know, the truth is, all of us have skeletons in our closet, do we not? We have things that we're not proud of, things that we're ashamed of, things that we may do in secrecy that maybe nobody else knows about. But can I tell you, Jesus, our Lord, wants to expose that darkness. Why? Because he wants to bring you more into his light. So that way you can grow and have more fellowship with him. So is he Lord in your life? Did you receive Christ? Did you receive Jesus? Did you receive the Lord Now notice what else he says here. It says that we received him. The word received here means to receive as transmitted from their teachers. Paul received the gospel directly from Jesus Christ, is what Galatians 1.12 teaches us. He passed it on to others, such as Epaphras, who took it to the Colossians. They received the testimony of Epaphras by trusting in Christ. Um, And the point is that the gospel is not a human philosophy Based on the these religious wise men, the gospel message is a person, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so if we received that message, if we received what Christ has done, if we believed in it, and it's not just believing in a body of doctrine, it's not believing in like, oh yeah, I, I believe, you know, that and I believe this and I believe that. It's personal. It's it's having it in your life. Have you received Christ? And so uh, Paul here is trying to help them to grow in this deeper process of who Jesus is. Why? Because they're being swept away by false teachers. Because they're not grounded in who Jesus is. That's why I say it's so important that we are grounded in who Christ is, that we spend time in getting to know Him more and more and more. Because the more that you know who Jesus is, you know, the more that you know what he says, the more that you'll be able to stand firm when vain philosophies and false teaching come in contact with you. And so you've got to know who Jesus is, and you have to have received him by remembering who he is. Let's look at the second thing, last thing here. Walk with Jesus by walking in him. Now, take note of that word walk there. So, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. That word walk there is an interesting word. Now, notice what Paul says here. Paul does not say that you so walked in the past. Like, well, you know, I used to walk with Jesus, right? He doesn't say uh, that you will walk. Future tense. He's not saying, well, one of these days you just really need to get your act together and start walking with the Lord. No. It's present tense here. He says, so walk. He says, if you've received Christ, you need to do it and do it now. That's the idea here. Get with the program. Start walking with the Lord. Okay. So walk with Christ. This word is... Like I said, it's in the present tense, and that tells us something, that walking in Christ is an ongoing process. It's a frequent word for describing the Christian life. For example, in Ephesians 4, 1, he says, "...I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called." Verse 17, Ephesians four. So I say this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Uh, Ephesians 5:2, and live in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Ephesians 5:8, "For you were at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, live like children of light." Uh, Ephesians 5.15, therefore consider carefully how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. That whole idea of living this particular way has the same idea of walking, how you live your life, walking. And so he says you need to be walking in him. You know what I find interesting is that walking is not as impressive as jogging, running, flying, driving. Driving. I mean, who wants to walk? I mean, let's get there. Come on, hurry up. Right? When I was a youth pastor uh, previous church, I remember we took the kids to uh, Kings Island. It was kind of like an end-of-the-year type thing we had. And uh, there was this one kid in our youth group, and I don't know, it, was just, it was just a little slow. And uh, I'm thinking, man, you know, we're going to have a great time. We're going to get there. And so we get over there to King's Island and, and, and like, all right, hey, let's get over here. Let's, let's, go, let's ride over here. Let's do this. And here he comes. I'm like, man, come on, let's, let's go. I'm coming. And I'm thinking, dude, you're 12 years old. You should be able to run marathons, you know? But the idea of walking is it's slow, it's steady. And you will get to where you need to go. See, Paul doesn't say, you need to be running. You need to be flying. He says, you need to be walking. There's a slow and steady progression there in our Christian growth, and our Christian life. And notice what he says. We are to walk in him. That is, in all that Jesus is for us as we are in him. Take a look at verse number 7. Paul gives us four descriptions of how we are to walk. And what this walking in Him looks like. Look what he says. So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So do you want to know what walking with Jesus looks like? Here it is. This is what Paul says. Now notice how these words are used here. Now I'm not much for English grammar and English rules I remember uh, being in high school and learning how to diagram sentences, and I had no clue what any of that stuff was, so i just draw lines, and, you know, there's a circle there and a box here and an arrow over here, and I had no idea what it was. I had one person tell me, he says, man, your grammar is terrible. You know what I said? No, she's not, she's a nice old lady. <laughs> but looking up these words, I found some interesting things here. And I think these are this is this is pretty neat, okay. And I hope this will this will help you. But this is what I found, and I, and I like to see how how God works in in all of these things. Now that first word, rooted, okay, You see it there, rooted. The first word, rooted, there, is used in the perfect tense. And you say, so what? What does that mean? Well, that indicates a past action with continuing results. So it's something that happened. You were rooted in Christ, and it is continuing. Okay? So Paul is saying here, you were and still are rooted in Him. Now the other three words here are present tense, indicating an ongoing process. You are being built up in Him. You are being established in the faith. And you are overflowing with gratitude. Now those three there, built up, established in the faith, or the the first three there, rooted, built up, and established, are also in the passive voice. You may say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means in this instance, God is the one who is working these things in us. God is the one that rooted you in him. God is the one who is building you up in him. And God is the one who is establishing you in the faith. But notice our part in all of this. You see, we're not the ones rooting ourselves. We're not the ones building ourselves up. And we're definitely not the ones that are establishing ourselves in the faith. What is our process in all of this? abounding in thanksgiving. That's our part. So, see, we have the responsibility to be thankful for what God is doing in us. Paul is trying to give us a mental picture of what it looks like to be walking in the Lord, what it means to be walking in Christ. And so, he gives us these pictures. He talks about, uh, one, about being rooted or walking in a path, being rooted like a tree, being built up like a building under construction, or abounding or overflowing like a, like a flooding river. So look what he says here. To walk with Christ Jesus the Lord means being rooted in Him. Now let's look at each one of these words here to help us understand a little more what it means to walk with Him. So first of all, be, walk in Him by being rooted This picture is a tree that is firmly rooted so that it gets water and nutrients from the soil to grow and to be healthy. It can withstand the storms that blow against it, and it can endure in times of drought because of its roots. The roots are hidden from view, but they are absolutely essential because without these deep roots, the tree will fall over in a storm or die during a drought. When we genuinely trust in Christ, God roots us in him. But we need to continually sink down our roots in him. How does that work? How does that look like? By learning more of who Jesus is. Becoming fascinated by growing in his love of who what and what Christ has done for us. Notice also what he says here. We need to walk in him by being built up in him him this picture is a building under construction the word here indicates steady progress towards completion Um, it's interesting some of the buildings around in this area and Elkhart and Goshen that you've seen kind of constructed and built um, it seems like man what in the world are they doing over there you know, you come by, and they got the big, they got it all cleared out, and then they're putting in the foundation, and then uh, you may drive by it the next couple of weeks, and then you see a frame up, and you go, oh, wow, that's pretty interesting, that's a pretty big building, I wonder what that's going to be. And then they put all the stuff on it, and uh, then it seems like nothing's going on, but on the inside, there's a lot of things going on, but there's a steady progression that is happening uh, with that building, and it's, it's being completed. Um, Sometimes the progress is evident. And I would say that even in our lives, when we walk with the Lord, progress is evident. But sometimes, you know what they say, old habits die hard, right? Sometimes learning how to put away anger and wrath and malice, learning how to put away sexual impurity, learning how to put away those certain attitudes or those certain sins, Can be a long but steady process, but the point is we got to continually be walking in Him. And what is God doing? He's building us up. There is completion that is going on uh, in our life. Thirdly, look what he says here walk in Him by being established in the faith. I believe Paul here is talking about being established in sound doctrine because of the context he was dealing here with uh, these false teachers who were trying to pull people away from the sufficiency found in Jesus Christ. And because of this next phrase here, look what he says, and establish in the faith just as you were taught. And so that word established was sometimes used as a legal term, meaning to confirm or guarantee or to promise things that cannot change. So if we put those thoughts together in light of the context of what Paul's talking here, Paul may be looking at the growing assurance that we gain as we grow to understand the unchanging truths of God's word. You learn of the guaranteed promises that are in God's truth, in his word. And as you put your confidence and your trust in them, what do they do? They establish you more, they build you up more, and you are established more in the faith. Because you're like, just kind of like what we heard uh, this morning, right? Prayer works. God's Word works. When we apply the Word of God to our life, it works. And it will always and continue to work. And so your growing knowledge of sound doctrine protects you against the many winds of false teaching that will try to blow you off course. And so it's important for us to be in the Word, growing in the Word, um, walking with Christ and being established in the faith. Now here's our part. Here it is. Walk in Him by abounding in thanksgiving. The picture here is a river that is overflowing. Sometimes we see the uh, uh, what uh, over here in Goshen. I think it was a few years ago. Remember the uh, the river over there overflowed and people over there in their canoes and you know paddling up to the Dairy Queen. Hi, hey, can I get a frosty? Uh, you know, whatever. Okay. So that's the idea here. It's overflowing. And he says here, we're abounding in thanksgiving. You see, our gratitude to God for all that he's done for us in Christ should flood out onto those around us. You know, it's hard not to complain. It really is. I'm a complainer. I, I admit it. It's hard. We complain when things don't go our way. We complain uh, when we think something should have been different. We complain about our circumstances. We complain about people. We complain to others to get attention. And when when we complain and we grumble about things, when things don't go as I want them to go, I think we're missing something that's real important here about being, and walking in Christ. The Israelites in the wilderness, instead of thanking God for delivering them from bondage to sin, what were they doing? "Eh, This chair is just too tall. Eh, This porridge is too hot. This bed is just too stiff. Complaining, 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 complaining. Remember when... uh, Moses went up to the mountain there to receive the Ten Commandments. I mean, they had just been delivered from bondage to Israel. Moses is up there for 40 days. and While he's up there, what do the people start doing? Where's this Moses at? Said he was coming down. I haven't seen him. You guys seen him? Did you guys send him a text message? Did he get it? Did he read it? What's going on? Did anybody try calling him? Moses, Moses, where are you? People begin to complain. And what ends up happening? They they go over there to Aaron. Aaron, we don't know what's happening to this Moses. Hey, why don't you make uh, make us a god here so we can worship it? They just got delivered out of bondage. And what are they doing? Going right back into it. It is so important that we are thankful and giving thanks to God. Why? Because I believe giving thanks will keep us from being lured away into false teaching or to vain philosophies as what these believers were, what, what had happened in their life. Colossians 1.12 uh, says that we should be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, uh, Colossians one three says we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Colossians three fifteen he talks about and he says uh, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being thankful as a believer in Christ is so important if we are going to be walking in Him. Like I said, I, I struggle with the complaining. I do. But we need to remind ourselves we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful for what God has done. So there it is. If you want to learn how to walk with Jesus by walking with him, you need to be rooted, built up in him, and established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray together.